Welcome to the Path and Focus podcast, where we record ourselves building a wildfire technology company. I'm your host, Kaylin McCullough, a former wildland firefighter turned software developer. And I'm Jonathan Bowers. I used to be a software developer, and now I'm an entrepreneur. And your house was just on evacuation alert, was it not? Uh, yeah, the Tremont Creek fire got a little close. Um, it's threatening both Logan Lake and Cherry Creek, which is this community to the west of us. So Cherry Creek got put on evacuation order. They sent a structure protection crews in and then put our end of Kamloops on evacuation alert. Well, we just recently came off of evacuation alert. Um, we were fairly prepared anyways, but we you know, had, took the time to pack additional clothes and pack some other things just in case. And then had a relatively sleepless night <laughs> waiting for waiting for a potential evacuation order, which never came, thankfully. And then the next day or two days later, it rained a whole bunch and they rescinded the alert. So it was it was good. Yeah, I'm glad it didn't turn into anything more serious than that, though. Still very scary, I'm sure. Yeah, like I was a lot less on edge because because we had some time to prepare and were prepared. And so that that felt like that was good. I mean, it didn't feel good, but it felt good to know that, you know, we're prepared and we can we know what to do. We had our plan ready. Even some of the things that I've learned recently in reading about and listening to some fire smart stuff, right? Like I had my hose out the back plugged into the faucet and knew what to do with the window coverings and the the furniture that we have outside. Like I knew what I needed to do. So it, you know, gave me a sense of security, but thankful that it didn't turn into anything. Yeah. It's super cool to have that that learning, like see that progress throughout the summer with the work that the Fire Smart folks are doing with their podcasts and probably something to do with the research you've been doing for this work too. You've also been doing some fun playing around with um, smoke sensing. Yes, I was feeling a little disconnected from my past in software development um, and then it's just, you know, there's so much smoke around. Um, so we sponsored a sensor for the office that we work out of, Countless Innovation. So we put a purple air sensor in there, um, learned how awful the air quality is in both our home and the office. Uh, I've bought another sensor to put in our house here, which reports all sorts of fun things like the, the temperature and humidity, which is cool to see, um, but also the carbon dioxide, volatile organic compounds, air quality with PM 2.5. Um, so it reports all this stuff. And we're just learning a bunch of things and learning about, you know, the difference between the uh, uh, air quality health index, which is used by Canada, which doesn't really account for wood smoke all that well, um, versus the AQI, the air quality index, which is used by Purple Air, which also doesn't account for smoke, but in the opposite direction, it over it overcounts uh, for smoke. And then all these conversions that have to come into play, like you've got to convert these things to, to realign them with calibrated sensors that um, the federal government deploys. And so anyways, spent a ton of time reading about all these things and then was uh, like I said, kind of interested in doing some more software development. So I built a small website, um, aqi.ninja, which is just a toy. I am just, I'm just playing around. And it's a super simple website that lets you put in a purple air sensor ID and just get back the US EPA converted AQI for that purple air sensor. Um, the purpose of it is not totally clear to me yet exactly why I've done this, um, but I was scratching an itch <laughs> and I did it. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'm just going to put this out into the world 
and see if anyone finds it useful or not. And uh, I'm also just sort of playing around with getting back into software development a bit. I have two questions for you. One, uh, you mentioned EPA conversion. Um, I'm curious what EPA stands for and what that conversion is. And then secondly, you said you want to see if people are interested in this. So curious what sort of conversations have started as a result of this. Uh, so e- EPA, I actually don't know what EPA stands for. I think it stands for the Environmental Protection Agency. I'm not entirely sure. It's a US thing. And so essentially some researchers realized that the purple air sensors, um, the AQI that they were reporting was high versus what um, other really expensive calibrated sensors were reporting. And so um, some scientists and some other folks spent some time analyzing all of the data and came up with this, this formula to convert those numbers to more align with these calibrated sensors that are very, very attuned to reporting all of the air quality metrics. And so it's just, it's basically just a formula that you use to convert between the AQI that Purple Air reports and AQI that another higher quality sensor would report. And it's it's really around wood smoke. Like the wood smoke, for, for whatever reason, just seems to be overdetected in the purple air sensors. I mean, they're, they're cheaper sensors. They're $300 sensors. Um, whereas some of these sensors that are calibrated, they're, you know, $30,000, $40,000 sensors, and they are maintained. Like people go and check on them and make sure that they're they're working correctly. And the purple air sensors are like citizen science. You just buy one, plug it in, and uh, it works. Do you know what it is about wood smoke that causes overdetection? I think it has something to do with the particle size and the way the AQI lasers work, but it is something that is overreported. But I guess the AQHI, so the Air Quality Health Index, that's something that Canada uses. It notoriously underreports air quality when there's wood smoke because it places a lot of weight on other contaminants in the air, and so it doesn't it doesn't seem to weight wood smoke quite enough. So when you say it doesn't weight it enough, like if it's if it's smoky, it says that it's better air quality than it should, whereas the other one, the AQI, says that it's worse than it is. Is that correct? Yeah. So if you put them on a spectrum, the AQHI, the one that Canada uses, it would tell you that the risk is lower. The AQI the one that uh, Purple Air reports, it would tell you that the risk is higher. And the probably more accurate number is in between those two things. And the US EPA conversion for the AQI (laughs) is the better one to use, particularly for wood smoke. And it's interesting because both the US and Canada have backed that research and are fully on board with that conversion. So yeah, it ended up being a bit of a rabbit hole that just kind of sucked me into it uh, more than I might have wanted to, (laughs) but it was fun. And then I created (laughs) AQI.ninja, this funny little, this funny little goofy thing that I made. So I guess that brings me to my second question. What, uh, what's happened with AQI Ninja since you launched it? Not much. Uh, I did add some analytics to see if people were using it. Um, not many people are yet. I also haven't told a ton of people about it yet, so so that's to be expected. I haven't marketed it at all, but um, I know some people are telling other people about it just because they think it's kind of neat. But it is aimed more at people like me, so someone who's 
technically savvy who understands how to construct a URL <laughs> in in the browser and how to like extract information from purple air so it's not it's not super user friendly yet um, but it does what I need it to do and it works well but I have had an interesting conversation with someone from a destination marketing organization they're like tourism organizations like you should come here and enjoy all of the sweet things we do here um, so I've talked with someone who said ah that's an interesting idea as a curated list of sensors to promote tourism and so I'm uh, hoping to have a conversation with him later I said hey how much would you pay for this <laughs> and he hasn't responded yet but we're gonna have a conversation soon about what does that look like for for their organization what what would be necessary like what kind of changes would you need to have I've got a bunch of feature ideas um, I don't want to do any of it because it's just going to take me way more time and it's kind of serving its need for me at the moment um, there's a few things that I want to add but uh, if somebody wants to pay for it then I'll I'll explore building some other features for it. And maybe it'll be one of the first things that Path and Focus generates revenue from is this uh, half-baked project that I came up with on a weekend. <laughs> that would be kind of fun. That would be so funny. But speaking of paying, so we have pushed Beacon out. We have some people using it. Uh, we forgot to add analytics, so we're not entirely sure how many people are using it. Uh, so we're going to add that pretty soon. <laughs> but one of the things that we've been chatting about is the premium features. And so one of the goals that we've set out is to actually try to measure the demand for that like as soon as possible. And so our goal is to push out a few design changes that will allow us to test that pretty early. Like, you know, probably in the next couple of weeks, we could have that ability to test that premium features out a bit. So the premium features that we're considering is essentially forecasting. So Beacon reports the current danger rating and the current work restrictions that result from whatever the danger rating is. So if the danger rating is high enough and for long enough, uh, the work restrictions are quite significant, right? If the work restrictions are high enough, you're not allowed to work out in the forest. So that's that reports the current state of things. And what, what we found with talking with some people in the industry is that the real value is what is tomorrow going to be like and the day after that. And if, you know, if we know that right now the restrictions are fairly permissive, that you can go out and work, but tomorrow we know that the weather's gonna gonna be really hot, um, really windy, and for the next couple of days it's gonna be the same. So we know or at least have some sense of what the work restrictions are gonna going to be. We can forecast that and show someone, yeah, tomorrow you're probably not going to be able to work, and that's probably going to be like that for the next couple of days. That is super important because that kind of information is very helpful for planning. Not working is expensive. You may have to pay your people anyways, <laughs> um, and they're just not doing anything. So you're not generating any productivity. This happened when I was chatting with one of my contacts is they, you know, locally, it's just the danger rating is too high. They can't work here. So they go work up north. Um, so if we can help them plan for that, that seems like something that would be valuable and worth paying for. So that's that's the the main the main feature I think around the premium. And so what we had talked about was essentially teasing that that's something that is available because we know that we know that people want that. So we want to make it part of the UI to say that you know here's today's rating. Tomorrow, the day after that, the day after that. So 72 hours worth of forecasts. Um, that's something that you have to pay for. That's the premium feature. It's not something that you can get right now without buying it. Our belief is that we can do that in a way that lets us understand now if people want that feature, 
before we actually build that feature. So we could wait until we've built the thing before we make it available, because right now we don't we don't have that capability. We don't have forecasted weather data yet, and we can't calculate the danger rating based on that weather data. So that's something that we have to build. But we can put in the interface the ability to at least indicate to us that you want that, like you you want to use that feature. So we're going to put, um, at least our thinking is, we'll put like a little piece of UI that basically says, if you want forecasted data, you have to subscribe. Here's the button, click on it, and it takes you to a screen that lets you input your credit card number, your your name and email address, because we need some way of getting hold of you. We'll put a price there. We're going to not charge you money for that yet because it's not something that's available yet, but you're going to get it at a discount because it's sort of early. You can buy it, like put your credit card in now and 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 sort of reserve your place, so to speak. And we're sort of trying to explore how to do that in a way that isn't too aggressive, but also gives us the right signal that we're looking for that people want to use this thing. So yeah, that's kind of the approach that we're taking right now. We're still sort of feeling it out, trying to design what it's going to look like. Um, one of the one of the companies that I've recently started chatting with, I'm using one of their calendar tools. They sent me this great little message when I signed up for it. They said, yeah, we're not charging money. Instead, we're charging in feedback. <laughs> so I've been giving them tons of feedback as I've been using their calendar tool. And that's I, I really like that. So we could try that out. I mean, ultimately, that's more valuable to us anyways. Is that like We don't want the cash necessarily. We would like to know that you would like to pay for it at some point. Uh, but what we're really looking for is the feedback. Um, so, you know, I, I like that idea too, but ultimately we're trying to see if, if this is, if this is something that is worth continuing to do. I'm curious. So in some instances, the publicly available site that gives danger ratings for all of the weather stations, they have 72 hour forecasting of the danger rating. A lot of the time it just says unavailable. But in certain circumstances, there are forecasted danger ratings available. So um, if our plan is to only put 72 hours in advance, I'm curious whether or not that's enough of an incentive for people to pay. Whereas like, if we were to give them a week or something that's significantly greater than what is potentially already available. Um, and so if we put in saying that we're only going to give them 72 and we don't get a lot of feedback, is that indication that it's the feature altogether is not worthwhile or just that that like shortened window is not of value? Um, I don't know. I feel like there's probably a bit of a spectrum there too, right? Like maybe, maybe for some people, three days isn't enough or three days is enough, but they'd actually pay more to have seven days. So maybe there's like a tiered plans to this. There's also the practicality of, you know, seven day forecasts are less reliable than three day forecasts, just because there's, you know, it's harder to forecast that far into the future. Um, you know, like you've been to weather sites that have 14 day forecasts and you look two weeks out, you're like, How? like what? No. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, tomorrow, like if it's raining right now and, and there's a ton of clouds, uh, you know, it's probably going to rain tomorrow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Depends where you are. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, weather's weather's hard, right? But I think that's something that we can measure. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. If if that if that's indication that the feature itself isn't valuable, or just the duration of it isn't valuable, and hopefully that'll be something we can get through feedback, and then we can like maybe have that discussion with someone who's already indicated that that this is something that I want at the price that you've already told me it's available at. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes of this. 
Um, and it'll also be really great to see once we put the analytics in actually how many people are using it. Yeah. And then also found a small bug uh, that we're hoping to fix. So that'll go out hopefully fairly soon. And I think we have the other issue that we've identified also fixed where we needed to keep track of past weather data um, from the past episode we were talking about. Um, those weird conditions where um, we're unsure what the restriction is. So I think that's coming pretty soon. I'm really excited about putting some buttons that ask people to give up some money for this, even if it's not actually giving up money, but just giving some intent about that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing that. Yeah, exciting for sure. So that's been the Path and Focus podcast. Thank you for listening. Please find and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love it if you told a friend about us and we'll talk to you next week.